Hey, if you would, go ahead and open your Bibles up. Oh, I like the artwork, BJ. That is so cool. So, uh, he drew that by hand, by the way. Isn't that cool? Um, I said, I'm going to start this new series called Restoring the Soul. And I was just thinking something like, you know that Beatles record, Rubber Soul? You know, and so he, he drew it up. <laughs> That's really cool. Okay, we're starting a new series, like I said, Psalm 23. We're going to be doing this the next four or five weeks here. And so uh, some of these topics are reconnect, realign, refresh, or refill, maybe we'll see, and uh, refocus. So that's kind of where we're going in the next few weeks. And if you would, open your Bibles there to Psalm 23, and we will read it together. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. Amen. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Well, um, at the beginning of the year, the Lord gave us, uh, we felt like a word, and I've shared this a number of times now, the word peace for 2014. Which, uh, you know, just so you know, whenever the Lord gives you a word, it's probably because you may be going to go through something that might be like the opposite of that. And like you need a word from the Lord to deal with what you're about to go through. So, so peace is a cool word, like, yeah, peace. (laughs) But it's it's probably, it means there's an, an opportunity coming to find peace and to believe Him for that. And, uh, you know, even this restoring the soul word uh, for this message, Psalm 23, a lot of times, I'll just say autobiographically, I get to kind of live through what I'm doing and uh, preaching and so that I've kind of experienced it and then I can share with more authority the, the word. And so um, that hasn't fully happened in me on this message. I just want to share that right now. And so my idea is, rather than me having kind of gone through it and going, hey, y'all, come on, I feel like on this one, it's like, hey, I need to do this too, and so let's do this together. Is that okay? Can we do the restoring the soul thing together? I need this word. It's a word, actually, I was talking with Chris Bennett up at Antioch Norman the other day, and, and I was, we, were, we love talking about what we're preaching and stuff, and and I told him Psalm 23, and he goes, no way. He goes, have you been like, you know, surfing the internet or something and, and finding out that that's what everybody's preaching on right now? I said, no, I didn't, I didn't know. He said, man, all over the body of Christ. He said, I just got through sharing. I've been running into all these different circles that the Lord's been speaking this word about Psalm 23 to. So encouraging, you know. And uh, whether you're in a time where you're doing really great right now, and uh, I don't want to pick on you, or you're in a time 
where you're not doing so great, and again, I don't want to pick on you. It just, we're all, isn't life like that? There's ups and there's downs and highs and lows, and it's just a great passage. It's a high point, poetic kind of place in uh, Scripture. I may even do it from the King James once. I, I, I want to finish each one of these messages with some ministry time where we read the psalm before we you know, get into that. But uh, it's just whether you're going through stress or anxiety or pressure or weariness, you know, we need the Word that restores us for the ongoing journey. We need ongoing renewal. We need ongoing revival. We need ongoing help. Our tanks, they get depleted. They get empty. When they get empty, we do weird stuff. We think weird things. Or I do. I never like. So why do we need to talk about restoring the soul? We leak. We get weary. Life happens. Right? School happens. Work happens. Families happen. All of a sudden, little guys. All that kind of stuff happens. And then on top of that, change starts happening. And then on top of that, we we start taking on more stuff. We add more things onto our, you know, onto our sack or you know on our back. That kind of thing. We take on more things without offloading other things. And it's like it gets like a page of writing that has no margin on it. If you can just imagine an eight by eleven, eight and a half by eleven page of paper, you know, and it's just solid writing all the way. All the way across, no margin at the top, bottom, left, or right. Solid writing. Makes you kind of nervous just looking at it. Makes you kind of nervous because we're a family system. It makes us nervous. It makes, I know I bring anxiety when I'm like that with other people. You know, I had just even recently, very recently, <laughs> um, about an hour and a half ago, <laughs> somebody said, are, are you okay? You're not overwhelmed, are you? like, oh, I wouldn't use that word exactly. <laughs> but we get overcommitted, we get out of balance. And I, can I just say, God made the universe to function in balance. I mean, there's balance at the subatomic level, there's balance at the intergalactic level, you know. And if you, you pull an electron out or you pull a proton out, or those things aren't just spinning at just the exact, there's an exact spe- way those things spin around a nucleus. And if, if that changes, if it becomes less, everything implodes. If it becomes more, everything just kind of spins out of control. You know, right? And so that's the balance. And so, you know, and it's not just, you know, uh, here's a good illustration. I, I was reading a book and read about this story of a pop singer named Aaliyah that I wasn't really that familiar with. And, uh, but she died in a plane crash. Aaliyah, rhythm and blues singer. And uh, she died in a plane crash, and she was in the Bahamas, and they'd been filming a video, and they were getting on a Cessna plane that was made for about six people, and nine people got on it with all of their luggage, all the video cameras and equipment and all this stuff, and they insisted that that stuff all get on there. And not only was it, the, the, so the plane was overloaded, but then it was out of balance as well. Most of the people were sitting kind of toward the back, 
And the plane only made it about 200 yards past the end of the runway and crashed and all nine people were killed. Now, it's one thing to be overloaded, which any of us can get overloaded from time to time, but then it's another thing when we're out of balance, when we're overloaded with stuff that's not the right stuff, if that makes sense. So then we're, we're kind of like, you know, you know, like this, and it just, we won't fly. You try to take off then, and life really, is, it's going to be hard to fly overloaded and out of balance. We need Jesus in there. We need Him as the priority in our lives to help us even figure out what is the stuff that goes on our plate and what is the stuff we let go of. And that's what we're talking about in restoring the soul. What does restoring the soul look like? Well, you guys know from time to time I like to look through a thesaurus and just kind of glean some words. I did this ABCs of Jesus one time and it was about a five-hour experiment where I said, I literally went through a one-million-word thesaurus and pulled out all the words that described Jesus. It was glorious. Thin place. Heaven touched earth. Kim walked in on me. You know, what are you doing with that book? I'm like, go away. Glory of God is here. <laughs> Stop. So I've done something like that again. With, um, with some re-words, like restoring, from the thesaurus. And uh, I'm actually going to send out a letter to the church this afternoon and give you this, but I didn't want you to be distracted with it while I'm reading. So just think about how many of these different words, it's 45 different re-words, and how they help to replenish these different kinds of things. So restoring the soul looks like refreshing, refilling, and reviving. It looks like re-energizing, replenishing, and recharging. Restoring the soul looks like replacing some things, rearranging, reducing, and resolving some things. Right? It looks like recreating, reconsidering, recuperating, receiving, and sweet repose. That's what restoring the soul looks like. It looks like renewal, refinements, re-envisioning, refocusing, and reflection. It looks like reforming, refurbishing, and even some refusals and regrets. Did you know that's what restoring the soul looks like? Some boundaries. It looks like rehearsing truth, rejuvenating practices, relating and relationships. Restoring the soul looks like relaxing and releasing and relenting from the relentless pursuit of aggressive progress. Just kind of pulling it back a notch or ten. It looks like reliance and relief, relishing and remaining. Restoring the soul looks like remembering and reminding ourselves about what matters most. And it can even look like remorse, removal, renouncing and repentance. But in this process we are renewed and there is great reward. And the result is that we, are more, that we more and more resemble the Lord who is our shepherd. And that's what we're talking about today. Psalm 23. Amen. So, the emphasis for today is connecting to this shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, there's, there's all kinds of things we're going to see in this passage. We're going to look at the first couple verses today, but we need to connect with the Lord who actually is our shepherd. David is writing out of his own experience. When he writes this, he was a shepherd. And the Lord is like a shepherd. 
You know, and so he's pointing to that. Joseph, in Genesis 49, he's praying over his kids, and he said, God who has been my shepherd, like the God who's been my shepherd, and who was the God of my father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it's this idea that's been in Scripture. Isaiah 40, there's the picture of the shepherd. Ezekiel, I want to say 35 or so, talks about one shepherd that's coming. And then Jesus in the New Testament identifies Himself as that shepherd, right? He is the great shepherd of our souls. The two disciples that were closest to Jesus, John and the apostle Peter, they both identified Jesus as the great shepherd of our souls. Isn't that interesting? They, they both, that's the language of, of John and Peter. It's excellent. I love it. So that's what's going on here. And it's important because we need that connection with Jesus who's our shepherd because we drift. We get off track. We do our own thing. And we feel the shame of sin and isolation and pain and getting off doing our own thing. We feel that. We feel the pain of what we aren't and what we want to be and what we think others think we ought to be. And what we think they're thinking about us when they're thinking something that they may not be thinking about us that we're thinking about, that they're thinking that they might be thinking about us. And we feel just all of that. And out of the rush, and out of the busyness, and out of the imbalance and the lack of margin, God's calling us to the shepherd, who's Jesus. Okay? The main thing I'm trying to say is this today. Our connection with Jesus, the great shepherd, is the key to our deepest need for life, for renewal, and for hope for the future. I mean, you look at what's happening in this psalm, and it's just awesome. Jesus takes care of us. He helps us know when to rest. You ever seen a, a child that doesn't know it's time to rest? And it's like nap time. Or maybe they're even in transition from being a little kid to an older kid, but they still need... James, you might be able to identify with this. Just they, they still need a nap from time to time. And you, you're like the shepherd of their little souls. And you say, it's time for me to make you lie down in this green pasture. <laughs> of thine bed. Yes. It's time for a little rest for you. Okay? So Jesus does that kind of stuff. And, and the result is that He restores our souls. So let's look at this. Two main things for the day. Number one. Number one, start with Jesus, the shepherd. <laughs> I know you guys are like, whoa, he's out on a limb there. Start with Jesus. Now, I could start with lots of stories about shepherds and shepherds in Israel, you know, leading the, you know, the sheep on the hillside. We, we, can do, we may even do some of that, so I'm not knocking the whole concept. But there is a reason why we start with Jesus. And I want us to get this. There's a reason why we start with Jesus Christ. If we're going to understand the Bible, if we're going to understand the Old Testament, if we're going to understand God, if we're going to understand theology and discussions and dis people, the, the disagreements that people have about God, theology, Bible, all that kind of stuff, interpreting the Bible, we've got to start with Jesus. We start with Jesus. Can we just say that together? We start with Jesus. Okay, wow, Jamie, you sound like you're really serious about that. Well, you know, even in our... I've recently had some great 
sharpening discussions about the, the gospel and what's the best way to present the gospel and, uh, and uh, the good news about Jesus. And so, you know, even the gospel writers, and we've been having this, this conversation, it's good, by the way, um, they start with Jesus. And there's good reason. You know, Matthew starts with Jesus. Even though he's telling the story of Israel, he tells it from the womb of the incarnation, which is Israel, bringing Jesus to the earth, who is then Emmanuel, God with us. Mark begins his gospel by saying, this is the beginning of the, the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is the gospel, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, which is about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Luke tells his story. His gospel, and at the end, you know, you got Jesus all the way through it. It's a little bit more technical because Luke's a doctor and he's given more specific historical information, that kind of thing. But when you get to the end, you've got Luke showing Jesus, walking with some disciples, and Jesus Christ Himself opens up the Scriptures, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, and explains what's written in there about Himself. He shows them that the whole deal is about Him. Pretty awesome, huh? I would love to have heard that sermon. I just, that's one of my, what did, how did he unpack that? How did he unpack himself out of the Scriptures? Pretty cool, right? And the whole early church was focused on that, looking to that. Then you've got the Gospel of John. And John, you know, he's writing at the end of the first century. You know, the tradition has it from Irenaeus that the bishops in Asia had gotten together and called John to come in. And they said, it's here. He's writing like 30 years after the, 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 the last gospel that had been written. So those were finished like three decades before. And they said, John, you were with him. We're asking you to write down your own account of what happened. And he said, let me pray about it. They pray, and then John starts to get this download. You know, it's just, I get chills thinking about it. And this is how John starts his gospel. This is what John says, you know, when he's, he's uh, unpacking what he sees about Jesus. And he starts this way in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, so he starts off by kind of a retelling of creation itself and pointing to Jesus Christ who is the Word of God, who was face-to-face with God, prostan theon, we talked about this, face-to-face in a relationship, Father, Son, in the power of the Spirit, this divine circle of love and relationship. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. He's trying to just get this clear to us. And without Him nothing was made that has been made. Okay, that's what he's saying, like Paul says in Colossians, Jesus Christ is absolutely supreme. There's no one over Him. There's no one before Him. He is absolutely the Lord of all. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. My, my point here is to say that when we talk about Scripture, the Bible, the Old Testament, when we look at Psalm 23... What does Psalm 23 ultimately point to? And how do we interpret what's happening in Psalm 23? It's through the lens of Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God, to which the Scriptures point. Does that make sense? So a lot of times we say the Word of God, 
but the Word of God, John says, is Jesus, raised from the dead, making Him authoritative and Lord. Okay? He gives all of this meaning and uh, gives, gives us understanding about what it is and what it means. He is the light that shines in the darkness. And so it's really important to understand that He's the light. I can't understand the Bible, God, or interpret the Bible apart from seeing through Jesus who is the light. And if I try to do that without Jesus, I'll come up with some pretty crazy ideas, understandings, interpretations, that kind of thing. Everybody tracking with me there? So He is the shepherd. John goes on to say, John 10, He's the shepherd, the good shepherd of the sheep. And He lays down His life for the sheep. And He, has, um, he tells us that we're going to be able to hear His voice. Okay, so that's the little prologue there I wanted to give about um, Psalm 23. So when I'm saying, when we look at Psalm 23, if you're asking, are you really saying that Psalm 23 is about Jesus? And that we need to look at Jesus first in order to understand Psalm 23? The answer is yes. Yes, He is the lens, the interpretive lens through which we look at Scripture. And even Psalm 23. He's the focal point of the Bible. He's the focal point of David. Even what the life is that David points to and certainly the shepherd that he points to um, that gives us healing and hope and hope for the future. So that's the first thing. Start with Jesus the shepherd. The second piece then is, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here, is to continue with Jesus who is the shepherd of our souls. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. And rather than just continue doing this by memory, (laughs) use my glasses. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And He restores my soul. So, um, we go through life and we feel the problem of disconnection in our lives. We get disconnected. We're not actually disconnected, but we feel disconnected because of shame, because of wounding, because of sin because of pain, because we've been hurt in the past and we feel disconnected from the Lord because we get weary, um, because we make judgments about others, maybe we get physically sick. You know, all those things are factors that affect us in terms of walking with Jesus and being connected with Jesus who is the shepherd of our souls. And we were made to make it, but not on our own resources. (laughs) We were made to make it. We really were made to make it. We were made to be image bearers who walk in the image of God and who live life victoriously from one, you know, one thing to the next. But we weren't made to make it on our own resources. And from time to time, it, you, know, you put enough on. I feel like I'm in one of those times. It's just trying to find a new, a new balance. You know, if you put enough on any system or any person, you'll find all the stuff that's in there, the weaknesses. You know, just when you, maybe you're really strong or something and you can go for a really long time, maybe even years or a decade or two, but eventually, eventually you find that you can't do it in your own strength. 
Right? So we need the Lord. We need the shepherd of our souls. I've been thinking a lot. Uh, Grant sent me this, uh, this cool YouTube video the other day called Run, Walter, Run. And it was a dog. They strapped a GoPro camera onto the back of this Labrador. It's only a 30-second long video. And they let this dog go way up on a hill, and he just starts running, galloping as fast as he can. He jumps over a fence, and he's cutting. And, and it's, just, it's, it's amazing that this dog is running like hundreds of yards and just galloping. And then all of a sudden, he comes out onto a flat spot. And it's kind of a rocky beach, and it's, in, it's filmed in Italy. He's just galloping toward the sea, and there's people there, and they're looking at this dog. And he goes, whoo, and jumps in the water, and that's the end of the video. It's kind of cool. You're like, <laughs> and so I imagined us like little sheep, not a dog, not a Labrador, but sheep with a GoPro camera strapped on our back. And as I imagined that, I, you, you see the, the GoPro cameras right over the top of the furry stuff and my, my little ears sticking up. <laughs> And Jesus keeps popping back into the picture. And I keep running around, off to the next thing, up and down the hillside, doing, doing what I want to do, getting distracted with stuff. Oh, there's something else over there. Oh, there's something else over there. And Jesus, I keep seeing Jesus, hey, you know, this way, come, follow me. And that's like our life a lot of times. Can you imagine strapping a GoPro camera on you? And just and it could actually not just see what you were doing and where you were going, but what you were actually thinking about in the course of a week. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Lord have mercy. All these competing things. You know, I was, you know, we need balance. We need margin in our lives. We really do that the kind of stuff that Jesus brings. I was I I, I was <laughs> I was in a rush last night about 10, and uh, I had gotten this book in the mail that I wanted to read some for this series. It's on margin. And so I was quickly reading through the pages as fast as I could. She'd already gone to sleep. I was trying to, I don't have much time here. I've got to get through this book on margin. <laughs> got about halfway through it. Don't remember hardly anything I read. Put it up, and I said, This is ridiculous. You know, trying to. Y'all pray for me. And, and hopefully, we, you know, just in sharing some of that, like we identify with each other. The pace, that kind of stuff. So what does Jesus do in the midst of all of this? When we open ourselves up to Him. Okay, so He's not disconnected from you just because you think He's disconnected from you. And just because you get busy and you're running around and you've got the GoPro camera on your back, and, and just going crazy at every, whatever the next thing is, Jesus isn't disconnected from you. He's got you. On that day, you'll realize, I'm in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. It, that's not changing. But what changes is when we actually slow down enough to go, Jesus, and, and our field of vision, and He comes back into the, in, in front of us. And we say, lead us. Lead us. I want to live life connected to you. It's, that's when things change. 
Um, he restores, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I'm not in want all the time. The next thing, you know, He brings a peace to my soul. And He restores my soul. What is the soul? Okay, what is my soul? Just, that's my mind, things I think about, my will, my emotions for sure. You know, it's what is looking back at me when I look into the mirror. Hey. And uh, so that's my soul. But my soul, I'm not a, I'm not a separated, I'm not separated parts, if that makes sense. So, so even though my soul is kind of like the internal part of me, I can't really separate that from me on the outside. In fact, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a dualistic uh, misunderstanding of what actually happens to us in the end to think that God saves our soul but doesn't save our bodies. Paul says if the resurrection doesn't happen, man, we've missed the whole deal. We are, in fact, raised from the dead bodily. We're holes. And so that kind of explains things. When I don't feel well, it's hard for me to think well and to have good desire, right, the right desires. And, and for my, my emotional tanks get low. I got sick about three weeks or so ago, and I really don't, that doesn't happen. May it continue to not happen. But I did have the thought, you know, while I was laying there feeling miserable, like, uh, he makes me lie down. I just, you know, just running around. I'm like that, you know, that dog, you know, just, just going crazy. And he makes me lie down. He restores my soul. And the internal affects the external. The external affects the internal. He is the shepherd who has us. And we often, you know, guys, we often don't see it, but He's got us. I've got this. It's like, um, anybody read uh, or heard of the Chronicles of Narnia? In the last book, it's called The Last Battle, um, the kids are in Narnia and... Uh, and uh, they've got this big feast there. There's all kinds of meat, and it's wonderful, and finest of wine, and all that kind of stuff. And there's these dwarves that are close by, and they don't see that they are really in the presence of Aslan. They don't see that they're in Narnia. They don't see that they're really the, the kingdom reality. And so they think they're in a barn, and they think that it smells terrible and they're griping and everything. And Lucy's going over and she's trying to help them. Hey, but you guys, can't you see? And she brings them a goblet of wine from the table and gives it to them. And they taste it and they say, this is nasty barn water. This tastes horrible. And they think they're eating straw and just stinks the whole, you know. And so the point there is, when we look to Jesus, it's like even the hardest of our situations, we're able to see beyond what we're going through. It's really true. And so uh, one of the things that the Lord does is help us to find the right things that go on our plates and the things that we need to offload off our plates. And not just how much, but the right things so that we'll be in balance. That makes sense? It's not just, you know, everything that you have an option to do in life isn't equal. So some things matter more than others. Some things matter more for your soul, like being together with brothers and sisters. It's not, that doesn't just count as every other activity that I'm going through in the, in the course of a week. You know, when our kids were uh, young, you know, we, 
we made choices. And it, just, it wasn't a bummer for them, but we made choices that were based on, Lord, what are you saying about all of the options? And I know we've got a lot of young parents. All of the options. Can I get a witness about options that are out there for your kids? And you could drive yourself and run yourself ragged. I mean ragged, just going crazy. Put the GoPro camera on your back and follow you around doing all the possible things that could be done. And so for us, one of the things that meant was we started sports uh, when Emily was in the seventh grade. She was in the seventh, seventh grade. And it was, she did other things. She wasn't missing anything. She wasn't saying, hey, I want to do sports. You know? But Matthew started saying that about that time, so we kind of started them both. Uh, he was much. He was four years younger, but uh, that's when we started. And you know, everything just kind of worked out. It worked out okay, and it allowed us to keep seeking the Lord at each step along the way for her and for him. You know, as parents, and to find um, that would actually be a more successful kind of story that we've that we've had than even this current season I find myself in. But how do we move forward in this? And I'll just, I want to wrap this up and let's have a little bit of ministry. How do we move forward? Because really, what I'm sharing with you now is a call to connect with Jesus. It's a call to see Jesus in a fresh way, to spend time with Him. He is saying, come to Me, you who are weary, and I, I will give you rest. And I am convinced that if we can show the world what it looks like to live as a people at rest, and not be embarrassed about it, and not explain it away, and not talk about all the things that we're doing all the time, and that somehow gives us a sense of our identity and meaning, and you know, and helps to heal the wounded brokenness in our souls. Probably connected with one or two people, at least, maybe, hopefully. We would change the world, though. We would change the world if we could live that way. And Jesus, He's so good, He will not break a bruised reed, or put out a smoldering wick. Anybody feel like a bruised reed or a smoldering wick? He's not going to put you out. He's going to encourage you as you come to Him. Um, I was watching a little video from Jimmy Seibert, the pastor down in Waco at Antioch, and I'm, I'm going to put a link in the letter this afternoon that I'm sending you guys, but... Uh, uh, he said, desire to meet with Jesus is born out of who He is, not how we feel. And, uh, you know, choosing the right things in our lives, it's not just another rock in the sack. Sometimes we need help going, hey, you don't need to do that right now in this season. You just need to let, let that go. You know, and, and also not just choosing the amount of things, but choosing the right things, living in balance. And I know this sounds weird, but sometimes for me and Kim, what that means is a meeting. And you say, well, man, that sounds formal. You know what? Everybody is having, you're doing planning about all the other parts of your life. They don't just happen. You don't just get kids in all these different places. You don't just finish projects at work and all this other stuff without doing some planning. I, I wish Jesus stuff could always just be spontaneous and I'm just running around and, and just, you know, it just, it, but it doesn't work that way. My life really is, I, I, I need to be intentional. 
You know, and it helps for us to get on the same page about that and talk about it. Sometimes there's even tension because sometimes she has a plan and, and I've got a plan. And then we have to get together and say, Lord, what do you, how do you want us to move this thing forward? How do you want us to, 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 to have a plan for meeting with you and connecting with you? And sometimes we just need, we need help. Like that child who needs a nap, we need to hear this word about the rest that comes from knowing the shepherd and not being in want because He's going to provide for us. And when it's time to rest, letting Him tell us, hey, it's time to lay down. And that He wants to lead us beside quiet waters. Yesterday morning, I just Kim and I were going over some of this. That's what we do on Saturday mornings. Talk about these messages together. She's the ultimate pro-sermon listener. That's a, that's a lot of years of listening to me. It's not like this. It's not like I stand up and... <laughs> this point's going to be good, honey. You need to receive that right now. But um, I'm thankful. And she goes, hey, let's, let's drive down now that the parkway's open. Let's drive down to Cleveland State Park. It'll only take 25 minutes. You know, and so we went down there. We didn't go down. It was like noon about 98 degrees. It was kind of hot. We were going to go for this long walk. And, but, you know, even though we were hot and sweaty by the time we, it was beautiful, hot and sweaty by the time we got in the car, we were talking this morning like, that was refreshing. That was restoring. That was just, and there was quiet water there. And it was good. And the Lord does that when we pause to just, Jesus, what do you want me to do? So here we go. Stand up. I want us to do this connection thing intentionally over the course of the next uh, week. Ministry team, come on up. Worship team, come up. And uh, this is one of those messages that hopefully, you know, if you need help today, I want to just encourage you to get somebody to pray for you. You start with Jesus, and He's going to help make things clear.